Hi, I'm Sarah. And I'm Misasha. We're here to talk about race, identity, happiness, gender, privilege, and more. We'll be looking at it both systemically as we put topics into like a historic context and also personally as we go through some of these kind of uncomfortable questions and realities in our own lives. I used to work at Goldman Sachs in Tokyo, Hong Kong, and New York, and I left the industry when my dad suddenly died. And I got retrained as a life coach who helped teach positive psychology at Harvard, a TEDx speaker who focused on connection, a co-host of the World Happiness Summit. And all of that's to say that I look at things through the lens of how we help each other thrive. And I firmly believe we all should all, in particular, white women and white people should care because we rise as a society by lifting others. And as a lawyer with a degree from Columbia Law, um, an amateur historian, at least in my own mind, a group (laughs) fitness instructor, and someone who believes in collective action and the power of communities, I tend to look at things through the lenses of history, news, and facts, with a little bit of human nature in there as well. Yeah, otherwise we'd not be friends. (laughs) That's true. I don't believe in, quote, alternative facts, unquote, but I do believe that what some people take as facts of life aren't necessarily reflective of the realities and perspectives that other people face in their lives. We all have different narratives, that is to say. We'll be bringing topics into conversation with each other through all of these lenses and more. Why us? Why are we your hosts? To be honest, and this is Sarah, in case you don't recognize her voices yet, but growing up as a child of a Japanese immigrant and a white man from New England with a long history in this country, like aside from that cultural Asian divide, because I passed, so to speak, as white, I didn't really consider the broader implications of race in this country growing up. I mean, I've felt it sometimes when I was visiting Japan, that sense of discrimination and prejudice. But when I was home in the United States, I really felt like my blinders were on about the broader structural issues at play. And so, Misasha, like you and I became friends at Harvard as we walked out of a half Asian People's Association <laughs> meeting. We became best friends. I am the luckiest human ever. But it was only at this point, and this is kind of pains me to admit this, but the brutal truth of it is, it was only when you married a black man that I realized I needed to care. Yeah. I think being brutally honest here is really important because, and this is Misasha, just so you know my voice, my biggest fear after marrying my husband, who is black from Louisiana and having two half black, quarter Asian, quarter white boys, that fear is that based solely on the color of their skin, that my boys or my husband are going to walk out our door one day and not come back. And if you really sit with that fear for a second, it strikes at the heart of every parent or really anyone who's in a family or has a structure of people that they care about in their lives to lose someone like that is heartbreaking. And I think also being the daughter of a Japanese immigrant and a white woman and also passing as white, I didn't think about these issues until really I married my husband because I benefited from a lot of privilege along the way based on how I looked. And yes, like Sarah, you know, and I think this is what drew us together. We have been outsiders. We know what that's like, but we've also had a lot that we've taken for granted along the way. Totally. Well, and I forgot to mention, but like my husband being a white Canadian has also offered me different perspectives on how different countries approach race and how history plays such an important part in the shaping of those sort of structural issues. But going back to what you just said about 
the fear we have about children. I mean, I can sense maybe some skepticism. I mean, don't we, doesn't every single parent care about something happening to their kids, let alone losing them? And it was shocking. So I looked up stats from the Center for Disease Control because I'm also afraid of something happening to my two girls. But when you look at the statistics for people, call it ballpark ages 10 to 25, I think it was in these stats that I pulled up, or actually 35, I take it back. For white females, the number one cause of death is unintentional injuries. Then sort of the next two go between suicide and cancer. Okay. For white males, it's unintentional injuries, suicide, cancer, maybe a little bit of homicide and heart disease in there. When you look at black males of that age range, the number one cause of death for black males ages 15 to 35 is homicide. And it's by like a crazy overwhelming margin. It's like close to 50%, right? And then it's unintentional injuries and suicide. And then for black females, it's a little bit more spread out. It's unintentional injury, but also homicide is right up there. You know, it almost feels like for my kids, I need to teach them to be more afraid of themselves, right? But I can see for the black population in this country, it is a valid fear that you have. And it's heartbreaking to me that that's the reality that you face in your life with your family. Yeah. I mean, I think those statistics are shocking and ones that you don't think about. And when you think about, and that's just white and black, and we haven't even talked about other people of color, you know, so I think this goes back to the question of why we should care. And in White Fragility, which is a book that a lot of people are talking about these days, and one that we are, you know, going to talk about some more as well. Robin D'Angelo makes the valid argument that the same way that women, and there's been a lot of emphasis on this recently, need men in power to help them. If we are really going to break through all those glass ceilings and reach those top levels, we need to acknowledge that also along those similar lines, it's white people who have held power and privilege in this country. And black people, Latinx people, people of color generally need white people to help shift the tide. They need white allies and they need white support. And I think this really came to a head and we saw it especially among white women during the Kavanaugh hearings that super recent and it really struck at the heart of a lot of women's fears, I think. But if you pause for a moment and think about how women of color felt about that, I think that's even more striking One quote that I love was on Twitter when a Rutgers University professor, Brittany Cooper, summed up sort of those feelings about the Kavanaugh hearings and said, but what black feminism and being a black girl for 37 years has taught me is that if white women's tears can't compel white men to do better, nothing will. And for the rest of us, that is apocalyptic in its implications. So I pulled this from an article written by this amazing woman, Jasmine Burnett, and when it set and her takeaway from this is when it rains for white women, hurricanes happen for everyone else. So if we think we have it bad, then we haven't actually seen how bad it can be. So true. And so our vision for this podcast is providing this platform. I mean, you can already hear it's this conversational platform. But for women who might not otherwise have spent time or energy questioning themselves or the world around them, to have this opportunity to learn and reflect together with us as we're going through this process of learning and growing. Conversations are not going to always be comfortable. I would like us to get comfortable feeling uncomfortable because if you think about it, like no change happens when you're comfortable, right? When you exercise, your muscles feel a little bit uncomfortable. That's how we get stronger. (laughs) I mean, just on a very basic level, right? But 
as we get uncomfortable, we can change. And as we change, we can change how we as a society think and use our power. We've got the power of interaction, power to vote, all of this stuff. And so with that, in terms of an action item, the structure of our conversations and this podcast will be on a weekly cadence. We plan to release every Wednesday, and we hope that we will have conversations that will lead to at least one actionable item or a reflective item for you to do something about. Because it's one thing to know all the theory. It's another thing entirely to start making the change in our day-to-day lives. So from that perspective, I think, and this will be the only time we ask on this podcast, but if you're interested in joining this conversation, please subscribe to the podcast. And then in terms of a true action item, think about one person you trust who you might be able to have these conversations with as they apply to your day-to-day life, someone you can be a little uncomfortable with, you can be vulnerable with, you can share your self-reflections with, because that'll help spread the ripple effect and deepen the impact of the conversations that you're going to be listening to going forward. Yes. I know that even our conversations leading up to the creation of this podcast have been so impactful in my life. And it is really challenging to get uncomfortable and sit with that feeling. But we're so excited to have these conversations with all of you. So if you're in, let's get uncomfortable together. Let's do it. 